everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Carnival of Randomness, your antidote for nerd culture and weekly inoculations of reality and common sense. And I'll tell you, the antidote for nerd culture definitely is very appropriate for today. We're sitting here at Empire Comics location on Mount Hope Avenue. However, we're in Earth 811 of the Marvel Universe, the days of future past, because everything is different. And in the biggest twist of them all, I'm Zach, and my cohort, and actually guest today, is Rob. I feel like Michael Rennie in The Day the Earth Stood Still. Did not bring your horrors to our world, or we'll bring Klaatu after you. Or Gort, I was Klaatu. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't know why I said that. I don't either. But let's roll with it. In any event, we're going to be talking about, and this is more like a, a, a tribute episode to um, a dear friend of yours who was the the king of Empire Comics, as it were. Him and his brothers, Tony and Jim Fafuri. Really, Jim probably started the business. But it was scary because it was something out of a comic book if you didn't realize they were twins. And I've known more than one person would go to one store or the other and wonder, happened to me the first time I met him. I saw Tony. I went down to the other store, and and I'm talking to him. How did you get here? And then it dawned at me it wasn't him. So what is, there was the two locations, or was there more? There was Mount Hope and Greece. And Stone, Stone Road, Road, which is the which one moved. I went to. Yeah. It moved. It used to be in a little plaza, which now is a family dollar. And actually, our gothic toad mate, Rob Mount, his dad owned a CVS there, a drugstore. Rob used to work there. So oh, I'd go little... to the comic book store. I'd go to CVS and see Rob. And it was interesting in those days because it was a little plaza, whereas now it's just a big family dollar. Right. Well, let's get into this because in a tribute episode, we're not talking about really, not all of it is about comics per se, but it's about the art of the comic collecting. It's almost like a subculture. If you ever see the movie Pumping Iron, they talk about the little, the weird subculture in the 70s and 60s of bodybuilding. And it was its own little world. And I think it's kind of lost these days. And it's something like a lot of things that happened in this time. It's not the same anymore, really. Maybe there's snippets somewhere or another. Well, would you say it's more lost or been appropriated by other Probably because everything are taken away. It's Like, I've heard a good analogy. It's a little bit like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where I have friends who've <laughs> done it for years. And you're not going to get the same production. But one of my friends said a couple of years ago, he went to one in Binghamton, and he said, this was done the way they used to be done. Okay. And that's almost the way where it's like they've had them. And actually, one of the things I was going to say is you don't see a depiction of this anywhere very well. Kevin Smith is sort of renowned for his comic book things, but like his show Comic Book Men, that's a different type of thing where the secret stash, a lot of people come in because it's obviously Kevin Smith's shop. Right. But the best thing I ever saw was a, bo- a movie called Comic Book Villains. You were, telling me about, you were telling me about that. And I'm that a huge one, Donald his fan. store, the way he owns the store and how he's with his customers, that reminded me of Tony or something. Yeah, I gotta watch that. And it's really <laughs> funny, and of course, because he there's a good thing with a garden gnome in it. But that one to me, that one to me was sort of accurate. But I've never really seen anything else because it's sort of been taken over by people who don't know what they're talking about. Okay, well, let's go back to what you would say would be the glory days when you first started going to Empire mm-hmm. back in what the. Let's go back to the history. Yeah, now. go back go back to the <clears throat> beginning or when you first started going there. What was it like? How was the atmosphere? How I did... guess the story, first of all, loving origins, 
And of course, it's a comic book thing, so we have to have the secret origin. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the From comic From what books. I've discerned or tried to figure out, how did it start, really? And it turned out it started around, I know Tony took some business classes at MCC. Mm-hmm. He used to talk about astronomy with me about the little planets and telescopes. Right. But they started around 1972, and I guess what they would do is do flea markets. Yeah, because you sent me a very good article, and actually, I will put, I put it. I put it up on the oh, page, you, okay, yeah. Okay, so it's on the page already, but... It's a very fascinating article about the history of Empire Comics and starting from a flea market to growing into the empire that they were. Read it. Very good. It's basically, they went into, they started flea markets. It was Jim who started and brought Tony along. And they went around to flea markets. They went around to comic conventions in New York. And we'll get to that. This was much different than Mm -hmm. these things out now posing as conventions. And they would sell books. They would do some mail order. And it was going around there, and they just started going around, doing this, building it up a little. And then by 1976, they finally founded a store. And now here's a little popular lore. I've heard that it started on Titus Avenue. And I think where it started, if it did, it was by that shop that I think is a hot dog store by House of Guitars. Now, the popular story is that they started there. It was Tony, Jim, and they had a third partner. And something happened with the third partner that they bought him out. And I know they did buy a partner out. And they also bought a big collection. They bought 20,000 comics from some set to get started for back issues. But That's... I don't remember the Titus Avenue store. I have had people at Empire Comics who said they went there. I did ask Tony one time, and he said no. Well, and so <clears throat> I think getting it direct from the source like that is... But it could have been, there could have been something that happened with the other person they brought in or not. Or Tony could be funny. But the first one I went to was the Mount Host store. Which is down, was down by the cemetery by U of R. I was going to say, I remember driving past it when I was at U of R. It was... By know, the distillery. Yeah, all by that. the distillery in Pellegrino's. It was yeah. just kind of tucked in right there on the right as you headed down toward Fort It had Street. that man from Unclefield because it looked like it was all covered up. All yeah, the that's the thing. You, you would never... literally go in, park in the lot, go in, there was like a door. Yeah. And you go in and open to this shop. Well, and because all the windows and everything were covered, you could never tell if the damn thing was open because I don't think they had an open sign. No, and I remember Tony, sometimes he'd show up, he's supposed to show up at noon, and he would show up, and I would say, hey, the sign clearly says noon. He'd brush me off. Yeah. yeah. The joy of a business owner. Well, yes. But that, I remember my dad took me down there because I was a comic fan, and I would go a lot of times to Worldwide News. And get comics there. A place that has been mentioned before. Yeah, and it's around. And I'd also go to like a five and dime, like just a drugstore by us. Mm-hmm. And they'd be on the rack. But Empire Comics was a real treat. You go down there when you're a kid. It felt like it took forever to get down there. Well, now back in those days, did they have the other crap that they have now? Like all the figures and the toys Not and really. the merch? Or was it mainly just books? That started off a little more where you went in there and literally you'd go in there was a center racks where all the new books would be. Then all around it were all the back issues. Right. And they would also have, what they would have, though, were magazines like Famous Monsters of Filmland. Fangoria? No. Oh. They never had that one for some reason. I don't, Famous Monsters, but they also, you have to remember, they would have some of the books, like maybe Heavy Metal, I don't remember that, but they did have, Delicious there were a couple things like Plop. Plop. Yes, there's a thing called Plop. It was, I think it came because, and they had a couple other of these books because, actually, Marvel and DC put out these magazines. I've never heard of Plop. What the and hell was that? And they had creepy, eerie Plop. It was like a humor magazine. 
Okay, so like mad ass. Yeah, and there was crazy, but I don't know if they had crazy, but they did have creepy, eerie. Because you got to remember, they had a lot of horror stories in them. Right, that's, and, all, and that's horror and all that. And that's where uh, the tales from the crypt came from. Yeah, was those old. I actually have EC Comics. Yeah, I I have the collectors. And they edition. would be on the bottom. It would be on top where they'd have all the back issues, and you'd have to go look. They'd sort of be in alphabetical order. Ish. Wrap around the shop, and. Just go in. You have to go through them, and they'd be numbered, hopefully. But that was part of the of that era of going to a store. It was the hunt, the thrill of the hunt. Because now, yes, online online vendors have made things worlds easy. You could literally type it in the exact issue you want, the exact condition you want. Boom, there it is. You can click it, click a button, and buy it. But it was a little different back then. The thing too was the covers. Whereas now, there's some very good covers. Out there, but the the weird part about the covers now, a lot of times they have nothing to do with the stories for some reason. I have noticed that they that... don't though. Really, they might be very good, but they just have a cover. Whereas the covers on these, especially, I always say for me, nineteen seventies comics, the covers, there was just something about them where that you could tell the era, and they just told like a little story in themselves, and they they hooked you in. Well, I remember the one that I remember vividly. I think it was an early one. It was a race between Superman and the Flash. Oh, everybody! I had that yep. one, and and the cover was them running for the finish line. They were like heading for the yep. tape, or the other one, the death of Superman. It was one of the first times he died when Doomsday killed him. Yeah, and you have Superman laying in a bloody heap on, yep. the, on the street in a pile of rubble. It's like, okay, you know what's going to happen in here. Where now it's it's some of them are very neat, but it's just artwork. You wouldn't know what the heck's going on. In them. Right now, you look at it; it's like, oh, here's a panda bear, and we're going to discuss economics. But what the hell? those were the days back. It was renowned as the brown paper bag, as Tony used to call them. Because remember how much comics cost then? And it was like ninety five. I remember early. I got this. Is how I know about the Mount Hope store because I got giant size X Men number one, the new X Men there, and it had to be around nineteen seventy six. And that's when they had the Mount Hope store because I was there. And I know because from just from getting the book, and I actually got the Wolverine comic from Credible Hulk. And as you were saying to me earlier, when you get a book like Giant Size X-Men, you tend not to forget it. Yeah, and that's one of the ones that always stands out, especially because the story, because I really liked X-Men, and it was really a cool story. But, wow, there's all these different characters. But those were the days you could literally, they'd give you a paper bag, and Tony used to say you could, Filled the bag up for 20 bucks. And I would get a huge stack. Wouldn't even cost $10. I can almost literally remember that day. I can remember a cover on Incredible Hulk I got. A whole bunch of other ones. I think it did a stack higher than me. Came out to $7. Yeah. Now you can't even get one comic for 7 bucks. They're pretty. That was one of the amazing things I found out with the hobby. Is where you would go. You see the comic. It would say $0.75. Cents, and it would think still only $0.75. Cents, and it would be a dollar. Then it would go up to this. That now I think it's all two ninety nine, two ninety five, three ninety five, four ninety five, depending on if it's a limited edition or a variant cover. Yes. Well, let's talk because you 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 brought up a word just then, hobby. Uh when you would get them, obviously you would go home and read them, right? Yes. Oh my God! Can you imagine what these people do? No, it has to be in mint condition. There's a joke. At all there's times. a joke in actually, my mylar bag in comic book villains. Where the one guy, there's a guy who lives with his mom and he dies. And the whole plot line is, there's this evil comic book store. And these are people 
who just want to make money. They don't care. And then there's Donald Logster with But the Real Hobby. And he's got an obsession with the Mile High collection because that was renowned about this guy who amassed huge amounts of comics. So they're trying to get a hold. There's a guy who lived with his mom that he died in his 50s. He's got this pristine collection. They're trying to get it. And these other people don't care. But there's one guy where the guy grabs the book he's looking in. By touching that book, you devalued it. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Remember, like, baseball cards? I guess a lot of people would flip them or time on their bikes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would put them in the spokes of your bike or flip them or, you know, whatever. And if it was somebody from a team you hated, you'd use it to throw darts at. And a lot of people also, too, remember, they'd read the comics and they'd they'd throw them away. Right. That's another thing. They would just, like, they would treat it like... You know, any other, like, magazine, like newspaper or, or, magazine or newspaper. It's like, oh, I finished this, you know. You hear the story the my mom's told that I think if you find I'm surprised your grandpappy never told it. Well, when I was a kid, I had the first sister. Right. Everybody, my, every, my grandmother threw it away. Yeah, everybody <laughs> in the universe had Action Comics number one, and everybody's mother went up into the attic and threw it away. And, oh, if only I'd had it. So what, you have 17 times the number of issues that were printed, there was people claiming that they had it. Well, that was the thing. I got into it because my mom read a lot of them. She liked Silver Surfer, Horror Counts, but they had them. And you'll find, actually, a lot of my cohorts in the collecting, they got in there because their parents got to do it. Right, and that, that was actually the next question. How did you get into it? I know, I think I got into it just because, I think it was going to one of those stores. For me, it was Verona News, and it was just seeing the colorful covers on the another one i really remember this was not an empire comics it was at a drugstore by my house and i remember the first time i saw deathlock and i thought the character was really cool and i still think the rock should play him in a movie he very well might he's in that horrible shield show but they do them all wrong i didn't even watch that but well and actually another thing because by the time i was growing up into the into my childhood i would think you're probably looking at early 90s that, I think, is really when the animated series started coming out. So, like, the Saturday, the what people refer to as the Saturday morning cartoons. They also had, had the other X-Men ones. X-Men and Batman. Yes. So I would see it on TV and, like, ooh, here's a book about it. And oh, it plus, of course, the Adam West Batman, Adventures well, of that, Superman. Plus, they had the 60s cartoons, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah, and you would catch them, on, catch them on syndication. Like, and then they would see, like, you know, uh, Batman meets Scooby-Doo. The crossovers there, and I, I love. Just watched. That. I love. Just like, I love Scooby Doo. So it's like, oh, Scooby Doo meets Batman and the Harlem Globetrotters. Like, oh, all right. Yeah, and you go from there, and that's how you sort of got into. Right, it. that's how I. And think then I you got really get my friend Dave, who worked at the store a long time, gave me his opinion of comics while I liked them. There's, it's a mix of fantasy and reality because if you really get into reading them, you become part of it. It becomes almost like a, a world for you, a little escapism, but it's done in a real way sometimes. Like, Peter Parker would worry about having to pay the rent or take care of his aunt, but you would follow these characters' lives and wonder what was happening. Right. So it's kind of that mix. It's almost like a little soap opera in there because you're wondering, stay well, that's tuned. A good thing. It's, a, it's a soap opera with fantasy elements and spandex. And if they do it right, they have the whole unit. It's like a little universe. And especially Marvel was better at that than DC. With Spider-Man might be swinging around. They were right in New York, too. Yeah. So you might, he might see Iron Man flying by. Exactly. You would see all these guys in the background, but they wouldn't be part of the story because it wasn't their story. And they story. played cards. They had one thing. You would see the thing, Nick Fury. You would get a holiday, all these episodes where they were always having poker games. And Marvel really tried to do a thing about bringing their fans in there. They had the fans of the mighty March, Marvel Marching Society, a little fan club. 
Stan Lee would do things. They would actually send catalogs with all kinds of stuff out. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, that one escapes me. And one of the big things in the 70s, too, were the giant issues. They were these big. You ever see those? I've seen them. I don't think I ever owned them, but I remember seeing them in places. And one of the big ones, of course, was Spider-Man and Superman, the first team up between the two companies. See, that's the thing. When you get... And it's a big book. It's like literally, I don't know, it's not a coffee table edition. No, but it's, it's, it's a lot bigger than your standard comic. Yeah. But then what happened for me, of course, as you do, you get into adolescence and get toward high school. And I got away from the hobby for a little while because it was high school. And well, things change. Times change. And not very long, though. I would go to Worldwide still, and I'd still get my monster magazines or wrestling magazines. And I would go look at the comics every now and then. Actually, I remember seeing one where they were the Avengers were going to be on David Letterman. <clears throat> but I didn't get them. I thought, okay, I'll pick one up, try it again. It was only a couple years lapse. But I didn't. But then what happened to me early in high school, I got a, I was into Doctor Who all the time. I found out there was a Doctor Who comic. What the Doctor Who comic was, they would take the Doctor Who magazine and they would collect the stories. They would have the cartoons in there. A lot of your well-known British artists. But they would put them in comic book form. So I found out Empire Comics had them. So I went down to Empire Comics again. And at this time, I didn't really, I'd known these guys a little, but I was a little kid. And I started getting Doctor Who comics, and one thing led to another where, ah, I'll pick this up. And I started talking to Tony about stories, and pretty soon I was... Dragged right back in. Dragged right back in. Just when you get out, they pull you right back in. And that was in the mid-'80s, and until the store folded in 2012, I was a regular. Even when I didn't live around here, I would have my mom or my dad go collect my comics because he had a pull system if you were a regular. Put your name on a list. Tell them what books you want every Wednesday. See, back in the days of the smallish mom and pop type stores, with that was their thing of customer loyalty. Yeah, and you would come in like there was a bunch of us. We would come in on Wednesdays, and we'd wait for Diamond Distributors. We had a UPS guy we called Curly, who was Tony's nemesis, who was Lex Luthor. <clears throat> he was a little interesting guy, very strange individual. But we wait for him. Maybe you would get there. Maybe you won't. Get the boxes. Tony would take his pen knife and open them. And we'd either grab ours if we were there or he'd start having his lackeys there bag them. And we would do that every Wednesday. And if you weren't there, you'd just say, hey, Tony, what's in my thing? And you'd get a stack of them. See, that's... And what he would do, too, is if he knew you, and he obviously knew his regulars, if he saw something he thought you would like, he'd pull it for you. See, that right there. That And that also gives you an, a window into another universe because oh they might like this yeah and then it turns out you do and then you go because explore yeah it. there's all remember when they say marvel and dc there's a lot more <laughs> than marvel and dc oh, yeah. that came out there's valiant there's atlas comics for a while I'm trying to think of the old archie ones comics which oh. actually you don't I, realize how popular they are i, guess I that's the one that i used to read a lot i guess more archie because comics. they carry them a lot go to your wegmas now they still probably got them oh they're everywhere but I don't, but they had Archie comics. But now Archie's gone over to, like the weird crossovers. What did we see? Archie versus Sharknado. In the show Riverdale, it's imagine Peyton Place meets the Archie universe where they try to be serious. And in a way that gets me because okay, it isn't not a nice world, but how about something like that? Okay, we know it's not real. We know it's the goody goody stuff isn't real, but why not? But sometimes it's like the the Leave It to Beaver thing. You know, it's not real, but it's nice to imagine that it could be. Yeah, but show is not terrible. I mean, they just lost Luke Perry, so I don't uh, know. That, gonna... was, that was just sad. But I guess because I he mean... was the dad, they tried what they tried to do was bring in old stars from the '90s who played the teen idols, 
and have yeah. them play roles like Machinomics in it. And I don't know what that was. We had some kind of monster trying yeah. to get in. So by the, by the time you hear this, Luke Perry will have been passed. But Luke Perry passed away. He's Archie's sad. dad. So yeah, and that was just unfortunate because of his age and what happened. But Tony but, would turn you on to all kinds of other stuff. Oh, you like this? Oh, you like this? Right now, let's let me ask you this: When you would go to the shop, what was your motivation for purchasing a book? Was that you wanted it, right? I liked it. <laughs> yeah, you wanted it because you wanted to read it. That too, and because of characters, like there'd be something come out. Oh, Phantom Stranger, I like that character. And I remember him from Swamp Thing when he had the backup series. And that's why I would buy it. I would always buy it, not because I thought, there's an old saying Tony said. He would say to me, oh, think I'm rich? He would say that he owned a comic shop. Why didn't he retire as a millionaire if these books were worth so much? Well, that that actually is a fair point. It, It goes back to, like, the stock expert thing. Like, if they're such experts, why are they working? And he would also say the thing about... How much is a comic worth? Whatever you can get somebody to buy yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. What's what's anything worth? Whatever you can trick some sucker into And there's a for difference it. between the comic book person and the person from the outside world, as we would say. And I'll give you a good example. What, what, what you called them speculators? or? That's a little different. That's part of it. Part of it was one of the big events was the death of Superman. And this hit the media everywhere. Oh, Superman was going to die. And the whole story was, I guess they were going around and... This is an interesting story. Remember the TV show Lois and Clark? Yes. They were going to do a plot line where Lois and Clark were going to get married. I, I remember. And what they tried to do that. was have the comic be sort of in sync with this. So what happened was they were going to work up to it, take about two or three years. It wasn't going to happen automatically. Yeah, no. So can't. they needed something to happen in the comics. So they used to say they'd have their Superman confab, and there were first Superman books at the time. So they're sitting around. What are we going to do to him? What are we going to do to him? Then, And I think Dan Juergens said, somebody said, why don't we kill him off? Right. So that would be the whole thing. He would die. They'd resurrect him. Was that by the, then, they'd be ready to get was married. Was that the, the Doomsday one? Yeah. yeah that was and Doomsday. That was the, so that was the first time they killed him. He's died what? A lot, you can go through a list of characters who died and got oh, better. Batman. Batman died. The joke about twice. Jean Grey about when she coming back. Right. But what happened was they started doing this and became a cultural phenomenon because the media got it. And the whole idea was, okay, us comic people, we knew it was a storyline and they would come back. Right. But People now, who heard it, people who heard it out that, wow, Superman's dying. Yeah, but now your world is being invaded by other people. And he said, people, I remember Tony gave me the Superman 75 came, in a, came with a little memorial pin and it came in a black bag. And he said people would be just lining up in the store to get these and figuring, wow, it's going to be worth so much. He's dead. And then they don't even realize they got the book. Then, of course, they go away. They don't even realize he came back, comes back six months later. Right, exactly. They're like, you know, and they still think, oh, Superman died. I've got, I've got my retirement here, and it's worth, what, six bucks? Now it's worth, it would be, I think at the most it was 75 then it went down. Well, yeah, I it's going to it for... jack up immediately after release. So you get up to like $100, and people are like, oh, it's only going to go up from here. No, now you can get it for like two bucks. Yeah, Ghost Rider, when it came out the one time, it was very hot, and Marvel overused the character horribly. And it was a good character, especially visually with the skull. Yes, I agree. But as soon as the book came out... The first issue shot up to $60, and my view was, don't worry about it because it's not the first book he ever appeared right, in. Right, and don't worry, it'll be back. And you can just, nowadays, you want to find one, you can probably find one in the dollar bin. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, you know, sometimes you get them in those mix packs you get at stores. Like Ollie's, you get the 10 comics for five ninety five, and, you know, lo and behold, there's like Ghost Rider and Punisher in so there. So it's really, and that's the interesting thing about collectors. We had some, you would get people in the shop, we had two girls, all they would do would get the darker Star Wars comics. That's it, literally. Get other people who would just collect, there's some really interesting characters over the years. One of them was Stephen Hawking. Now, this is not the guy who's the... May he rest in peace. Rest in peace. But we we don't even know his real name. There was this little kid. He, well, he looked like a little kid, but he was in his 20s. And he was literally, I don't know how to describe him. One time he hacked into a video game and hacked into a realm of another video game. Oh, he's one of those kids. One of those guys. Lived in his mom's basement. But he would wear a Spider-Man costume under his clothes. And we would look around. He's wearing the costume again. But he would come in, and all he would get was Spider-Man. Right. But we never figured out what, we never got robbed or anything, so we didn't know if he was going to break out the costume or something. Well, thankfully, you know, and guys like that probably could have invented web shooters. He probably could have used one of He probably did. He would talk about his computer and everything at home, and he was just, I can't even describe. No, here, I, I think I can describe him. That would be your old school textbook definition of a nerd. Yeah. We liked him. I yeah, mean, and that's the thing. Nerd, the term nerd has been bastardized so bad into this day and age. Back in the day, the nerd was, how would we, we talk, We were talking the other day, highly intelligent, sometimes very socially awkward, oftentimes withdrawn. You would think the lab coat and the pocket protector. Yeah, the pocket protector and the glasses, but they were decent people. You could get along with them. It was just kind of sometimes an adventure to talk to them. Yeah. But nowadays, you have these... It's like know-it-alls. Yeah, you have these schmucks. There you go. Throwback to the old Yiddish. These <laughs> schmucks out there who, like, oh, I'm a nerd. Oh, no, you're really not, No, though. you're no fun to be around. Yeah, you're you no you fun to be around. The, the, one of the keys to, I think, the modern ones, if you want to call them, that who've hijacked the name, is that they think they're a lot smarter than they are, and they try to talk down to you. They, they act like they own the hobby, too. Anything they get into, it's theirs. Yeah. Whereas, like, people who go see... comics didn't exist before I bought my first ones. And, of course, you'll find out. I've been in this hobby since I was a kid, and you'll find out they don't even read them, or they've been reading them for... Yeah, no, they they get them, put them in their Mylar bags, and then put them in, like, a a climate-controlled vault in the days when, oh, when the comic market crashes, I'm going to have the ultimate money collection. No, comic market crashes. I think a lot of it, really, the big villain behind it, really, is I think everything gets corporatized... And it becomes labeled. And that's the thing where they look, oh, we can make money off this. Yeah, and companies so, aren't stupid. And they They're try going to, to get, latch on I think that. we're a lot of disconnected these days, the way technology is. We don't have any a lot of real connections. And they try to make up these things. And they try to label them. And they try to use it. Oh, nerd culture. Here, you got to buy this, do that. And then but, people drink the Kool-Aid because... They're disaffected. They're not really happy. And they think by being part of this, but they find out they're not really happy either. They're, if you look through history, there are fundamental problems with just blindly following a group. I'm yeah. going to leave it at that because people know what I'm talking about. But we'll about. go back to that in a few minutes. But we had, I could go on about the interesting characters we'd have in the shop. You know, actually, you know what I thought would be, I just thought of this. Patent pending, by the way, anybody out there that's listening to the following statement. Do a comic about a comic book shop and the characters in it. There are a couple. Actually, Kevin Smith did a couple about Clark. He did one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like kind of clerks-ish. Actually, we'll ask Caitlin if she'll draw it for us. Yeah. 
Patent pending. I think you I, can't there do might anything. be. Uh, closest would be Starman, where he owned an antique shop, The Sun. Right. Something like that. But, but I I'm, actually, I actually thought of a comic concept. Back in Empire Comic, comics about, I was trying to find somebody to draw it, about having a comic book involving where the heroes are hideouts in the comic book shop. Right. Because it was hide in plain sight. Exactly. And what, but, now, if I see this come out anywhere. No, patent pending. Patent pending. We have a, a, our sponsor is a lawyer. If Kaylin is, any time she can draw it. But what I mean is, like, you have, um, you know, the comic shop about the people... But they're not necessarily heroes. It's just the people who work there think that they are make up stories about what they could be. Well, what I had the funny. one with these guys really sort of are the heroes of it. I actually was thinking because I've always wanted to do a comic book, but I can't draw. Yeah. So, and just for legality purposes, this is copyright March 17th, 2019. Whenever it comes out. Oh, happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, happy St. Patrick's Day, even though it's old. But, but when we are, we are recording this on St. Patrick's Day, 2019. But we had, that was one of the things. My friend John Lee, he was a student at RIT, a med student. Literally every Christmas in Empire. Christmas in Empire was great. Tony would have the store decorated. And we'd always end up, I'd see people I didn't see the whole year we sit in there talking for hours, waiting for the books, which were always late, and nobody wanted to leave. But it'd be snow. I always remember snowing out, and Tony would stay open late. And I remember one time I finally left. Then I went. Then Tony said, "Well, as soon as you left, the books came." Uh, but we'd always edge. catch up, and it was like people you would see once a year, but you were old friends. And it was one of those because you had so many shared interests, you could be apart for a year, but at the same time. It was like no time You would get passed. people. We always said we had people like Chuck. There's guy Chuck. And he worked at Flower City Tissue. Came in. He'd be one of these guys you'd think like this working class guy, macho. But literally, when he had friends over, he wouldn't take them upstairs because there was that room filled with his action figures. Uh, but we would, you would have all kinds of people come in. And that's, again, the stereotype of the nerd. I can vouch. You would have people come in every different form of type right. of person. There's every walk of life. In the, but they like the, comic books. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It has nothing to do with nerds or a culture. It's the fact that you like comic books. But we books. had some interesting characters. We had one guy, all he did was collect the Punisher. And yeah, it was a, I, see, he a literally Punisher got a, a silver comic book from Japan of the Punisher. Oh Jesus. And another guy, he looked like Thor. I was gonna I was gonna There's this guy. About him he before. looked like Thor. He would come in only every three or four months. It literally buy over a thousand dollars worth of the models. Yeah, the, and they're really the statues. cool. The statues oh, some are the, some are really, but I would got, come in. That's all he would do. I've got several. Really, I got a like a big ass Solomon Grundy one. I got a Juggernaut one. But I then like he the, would have like the, the regulars, like my cohort, Mike Mike Agustinelli, who will be on here sometime. But his work, shout out to Mike, constantly, constantly prevents him from being on. And one of the things with him is that how did he find the shop? His dad used to shop there. He took him after church on Sundays. He'd go get their books. He got in trouble one time because he tried to buy some Predator books and his dad didn't want them. So Tony let him swap them out. But then he found it, and every time we'd come in, talk about stuff, and I would see him every Wednesday. Right. And then and you do develop friendships. Or the slacker, Mark Vivenzi, who he moved out of town, but every Wednesday he'd come in. Now, kind of kind of kind of shift gears here. Comic book. Culture has changed dramatically yep. since those. Happy I'm going to times. point to it. I'm going to say the 1990s because what happened was we used to call that number one. The early 90s were a very bad time for comic books in general. Marvel got purchased 
Yeah, that was the the time when a lot of shitty storylines. And what happened out. was speculators came in. What there they did is. was, you go back to the eighties. They started doing autographs a little, but they did baseball cards. And these people were looking around. Okay, what can we? Whenever you make, when you say something is collectible, it's a made up term. Yeah. You know, my shirt I'm wearing now is collectible. It's only collectible because some guy said it was. But they looked at comics and they saw a fresh ground. Yeah. So they started getting into them. And then all these crazy variant covers because the book, they drank the Kool-Aid with well, them. In the and industry. it's not just that. The industry saw what was happening yeah. and said, okay, now there's people out there like that. Let's give them more crap. And the story started tanking. Oh, Real God, fans yeah. just started, because this is a very bad era for I mean, comics. The only thing worthwhile would be DC's Vertigo label, some of the indies, some rare some books. Of the indies, you got to remember, there were still very good writers and artists out there. Right. Um, when, when did Image come around? Was it after Early that? 90s. So, okay, so Image was a And that's what happened, too. To Image that. came out, and people were buying them purely speculations. I remember there was one guy at the shop, and that's all, and he was admitted like this. He would come in, oh, Image, first issues, and he even admitted to me, he said, I don't read them, I just buy them. Now, this guy is still, whatever his income is, it is because he didn't make any money at all. Right, exactly. But he admitted it. That's what he bought it for. He See, even, if you admit it, that's not as bad, but, oh, no, I, I'm going to read these, and you have 19 copies of the same Well, Gen issue. 13 had 13 issues. And Peter David said it, okay, you have a milestone issue, say. It's okay. But then all of a sudden, every other issue has a glow-in-the-dark cover. Or, right, it demeans it. And it got, we called it Black Friday, and we've stole the term, obviously. But that was that was the day in the late 90s, I guess, tons of Tom comic book shops tanked. And it turned out to be a good thing for the hobby in a way because... Well, it's a reset, almost. All of a sudden, what's happening? They're going back to stories that are good. Right. And they're getting now, rid of all this crap. Exactly, because now the, the companies see... Not the comic book shops, but the the comic publishers see people aren't buying our shit. We need to make it better. Well, a big thing about so then the good stuff started. A coming traditional back. thing about comics is that you listen to your fans. And one of the big things with Marvel, they is, literally would read Fantastic Four. They never had costumes. Why did they have costumes? Because fans wrote in saying they should have costumes. Right, but Marvel back in the day would listen to their fans. Whereas now Marvel is just gargantuan. Well, now, well, now Marvel, well, I'm not going to say who they're owned by because I don't need that in my life, yeah. but everybody knows who they're owned by, but they're too big. They're going to put out what they want to put out. And they don't really care. And I guess no, they don't care. Anymore. I haven't read them in a while. Well, I mean, seriously, since Empire was gone, I, I just sort of dabble in it. I But what they, I guess their comic books are really hurting because they're not really well done. And DC, I guess, is a lot more quality. Well, the thing about Marvel is they have so many goddamn universes. I made the joke about Marvel Universe 8, Earth 811. There's like hundreds of different Earths, and every Earth has a different thing. And it's really hard to keep track of. But the one that really started to get me looking at it like they don't... They're, they've stopped caring, is how is what happened with Colossus. Yes. For a very short period of time, Colossus was the juggernaut. And then he got rid of that, and then Colossus became the host of the Phoenix. And you're it's like, what the shit is going something on? something really lost in this little world. It is the lost world, to, excuse the dinosaur pun, where you never knew in the shop what would happen. True stories, this is actually posted in the article. Spider-Man came to the shop to sign how to draw comics the Marvel way. 
And he made an appearance, I think it was at Woolworths or something, signing Spider-Man albums. They had those talking albums. Yeah. Now, Riddle... Again, it wasn't Spider-Man, was Riddle it? Riddle me this. It was Captain Riker. Yeah, Jonathan Frakes. And I got to tell Denise Crosby the story. She said she was going to ask him, and if I could get her sight, I could send her evidence in the article. It was a young Jonathan Frakes. And I guess he liked hot dogs, because I guess he had hot dog in the shop. But can you imagine that? You didn't realize when you were a kid, it was Jonathan Franks right. just as Spider-Man. But now, here's one. This is one you've mentioned to me before. You go in, and there's some interesting character working the cash register. I go in, get my books. I'm looking at the... There's a, there's a guy working the register. I'm just... No. It's one of those... Did somebody spike my drink this it's morning? It's one of those, it looks too much like him to not be him. And literally, yet, I make a total here? ass of myself. I finally... I'm getting my books. I'm just going... No. It this can't is, be. Can't be. And then I go up and I go, check off. And of course, what do I say? Do I say Walter Koenig? Do no, I you say don't say Chekhov? Walter Koenig. He starts Chekhov. laughing. And the story, it was Walter Koenig. He was in town to either talk at U of R or do some whatnot. Yeah, thing some to do. college. But school. it turned out this was in the day. Remember those pogs? Oh, Pog? God, yes. He collected them. He came down to the comic Hold on. store. Chekhov was a pog collector? That's what he came down to. Tony said he wow. came in the store and he said he collects the pog. Hmm. So what he was doing, he's looking around. And this By this time, remember, Empire went on. They had a lot of models. They, they were master models. Yeah, games, I, when I was, all this go, kind when of I was stuff. going into the shop. Neat early, little stuff. Little robots, Godzilla stuff. Kinds of shit. And he asked if he could go behind the counter. And Tony said, I think you get the money if you break something. Yeah. Then he wanted to work the cash register. So Tony let him. <laughs> Did he did he throw him a ten ninety nine for that day or was he it pro bono? He didn't give me. Well, we invented this in Russia, <laughs> and I actually told him finally Nuclear after Russell. he laughed and I, I told him how much I liked his Bester character and I asked him if it was named after the sci fi author, which it was. Because remember, he turned heel on Babylon Five, played Bester, Psychop. Oh God, that's a, I'm gonna have to. I don't even remember. I'm gonna have to. Nice I guy. Babylon Five a little, in a while. Nice guy. Very good. Well, there you go. But one of the things, too, that's really changed, as we've said, sort of we created a monster. The idea of the Comic-Con is not the same at all now. Now, what was the Comic-Con, and let's let's call it what it was. It was a convention. Yes. It wasn't and a remember, con. again, these guys started out, I guess these things existed in the early 70s. Right. It so, was almost like a flea market it came off of at the beginning. Okay, so it was like a gathering of people. How much did you have to pay to get into these comic uh, uh, comic conventions back in the zero. day? Zero. <gasps> And the first one, I could say, the first ones they had, it was at a party house down in Gates. It might still be there. It might not. I don't know. You know how things change. But what they would do, they'd have a couple people, artists, come in. They had Jim Selikrup, who was editor of Marvel. They had Mark Badger. I remember that. You would go in. you get a little newsletter. You could have Selikrup or somebody sign it if you want free. Mm-hmm. Mark Badger would do a sketch for you for nothing. Right. Talk to these guys. Go around. They would have various. It's like. A good way to describe it's like if you go to your baseball card show nowadays, they have all the dealers. Mm. So it's all, and it was a treasure trove for us because you would get stuff. Right, because you and I go down to um, the Rochester Collector Fest. Shout out to them because we actually like them. Yeah, but. And they have all the different dealers, but it's just. But, and yes, I did profit off misery because one guy got Iron Man number one for $30 and I got Ghost Rider number one for 15 because the guy needed the money. And I felt felt kind of bad. You felt kind of bad until you left him. Because he's. I I need the money for rent. And like, uh, I told him it's going to a good home. Yeah. But you would go around, you would have your list, and then you would find other stuff. Right. And that's what it was about. It was big letters, comic. Comic convention. Convention. And you had cake. You had little prizes and stuff, but right. you didn't blow your bank account unless 
if you blew it, you blew it on stuff you wanted. Right. But nowadays, they shortened it to Comic Con. I know that's copyrighted, but I don't Actually, they might ass. have some issues about some places they might not be able to use them anymore, even. No, anymore. there's. Yeah. The, consult your local Google for that one. I think what I saw, some people saw they could make money off. That's the thing. People and are they thought, to make money okay, off. let's create this whole thing about bring in, now they bring in all these TV shows, the big ones, yeah. and they charge just to get in. Like, some you, of these are utterly, 20, uh, we're talking even for San Diego, probably $125, yeah, exactly. You're looking just to get in. Anywhere from 20 to $150 to get in the building. And the analogy I've always used, that's like paying admission to get into the mall. It's like, well, you want to come in our building and spend your money? Well, give us money. And all it is, in a right. way, I always find it condescending because in a way they're just, none, nobody, You're guess what? You're not more popular. People are laughing at you. They're making money off you, basically. Right. And I have my issues, and yeah, if you do it, it's okay. But I just have a thing about cosplay where I don't like it. And it's, Furbies right, are worse. Right. Furbies to me, there's something, I mean, my thoughts each are, his own, but there's some issues there. My thoughts on cosplay is this. Can be nice to look at. Wouldn't want to live with it. No, and I remember being at one of these one time and sitting there seeing somebody who was middle-aged, dressed up, and for some weird reason it just hit me as really sad that you have to be really unhappy in your life. This isn't a Halloween party, just to have this fantasy world. But now, and we, you and I spoke recently, and we were making distinctions. Like, people that go to the Rocky Horror Picture or Star Wars dressed in costume. A relic the clown. Well, our doctor of clownometry, but... They are not going... Okay, I lied. He really is the character. Yeah. But... They are not going to the grocery store dressed up like Iron Man. They're going to something that is related to what they're doing, and when they go home, they take the costume off and go back to their normal now, it lives. it strikes me as being very unhappy with your life and also just some sense of reality is missing there. And, it's, and that is what I think the quote-unquote nerd culture has become. No, it's almost like it's become it's become people that are not grounded in reality. You don't they, feel secure in yourself, and that's the key. You can be whatever you are if you're secure in yourself. You're going to be all right. Right. If you just are so unhappy with yourself, you shouldn't be unhappy with yourself. And by doing that, you're you're running away from the reality of it. You're not going to get any better. Well, and to uh, paraphrase one of the greatest Americans who has ever lived, Mister Rogers. You don't have to do something spectacular or outrageous to have self. And then I will be—I will say I'm outraged because you find out some of the comic cons are businesses, and that's oh, fine. Yeah. You're there to make a buck. Yes. And if you go in, I'll tell you, don't go pay your money to go look for. If you're looking for comics, is barely in well, there. Well, that's the thing. You look at—you go to some of these shows. How many comic vendors are there? Just about none, really. One, two. And the thing it's is, all, though, it's popular culture. It's whatever's happening some right of these, now. So it's a shitload. So of call anime. it popular culture. Right. Call it a popcorn. Yeah, something like that. But then, if you try some of these, I've heard they're businesses. That's from it. Some of them try to pass themselves off as charities. I, and to me, that's just an insult. Go up to some sick, dying kid and say. Don't give them your money. Give them to us so we can dress up in costumes or build people. If it's a charity, why do I have to pay to get in? Yeah, I, you know, I'm gonna the analogy I'm gonna make is GoFundMe, because some GoFundMe's are noble. Sometimes something really happens. You have somebody very sick. You can't pay the bills, but then you see, oh, my kid's graduating. We want to buy a car, or take a trip. On that note, I'd like to announce the Carnival of Randomness GoFundMe. No, no, not really. We're not. worthy. We're worthy. But well, we're that's not doing almost it. the same analogy. What if we asked you to pay for this? Right. 
We'd be off the air. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we asked you guys to pay for it, we'd be off the air next week. Or if we said if you buy, give us money, we'll go off the air, we'd probably be rich tomorrow. Oh, God. <laughs> there you go. If you would like us to go the hell away, please send $10. But it's still, that's every now and then, I, what I do is I go to the library and I will get books out. And the one thing, there are some very, very good books. And again, it's almost like wrestling. You have to go to the indie thing. I, I sort of, I've heard of Caitlin Yarsky. Coyotes is a very good book, but yes, a lot of independent book. books are good. But also DC has their stuff straight. It's amazing because they are owned by, they are a big company, obviously, very, and their movies suck. Well, the irony is their movies, their movies aren't as good, but they really focus on trying to make the comics good. Yes, because they always had, back in the day, I think, you could tell the difference between Marvel and DC, even if you weren't a comic fan, by the darkness and the grittiness. Marvel was very brightly Whereas, colored. Okay, riddle me this. Marvel, what they like Marvel to do Marvel. a lot of times is they will restart a book for the 50th time. So we have, And their idea is, why do they do it? Because, oh, that person can get number one of Captain America, even though that's really not the number yeah. one. It's one number one of volume five. Number one, part nine And it's disjointed, too. There's no continuity or anything else. No. Then they'll go back to the regular numbering. Then they'll go back to this. It's... It's confusing as shit, so I guess the point, to, the takeaway of this one is it's not a speculative thing. It's a hobby for people that enjoy it. And there are some still very talented creators out yes. there. There are people who love comics and do it because they love them. So go, so look at the different artists. Find someone you like. Like me personally, I'm a big Greg Rucka fan. Yes. Huge, huge. huge he's a great writer. And probably, the, very probably I would say the best run of Wonder Woman was done by him. I would agree. And also... Look for a comic store. There's still, it's again those, yes. there's one store in town I'm not going to mention, but if you ever go there, you'll never go back because the guy is really obnoxious and weird. But there are other ones, like I know Kalen does signings at Comics Etc. and people go there. Yeah. And that's I, in, I've, it's I've in by the Hungerford. That's one that's still around. And there's support, some others. And this is another thing. Just support the small business. There are comic, like Record Store Day, there is a comic book day, but what happens on comic book was, day, people come in, Fried to freeload. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think that was another part of the downfall? Was the free comic book day? Because no, I don't. I think it's like record store day, where it was an idea, good intentions, bad outcome. Because you see people making the rounds, but they were trying to drag someone in. They figured one out of ten people they're going to dig the hobby and come back. That, that's it's like record tr- store day because yeah, I, I draw. True. There's a lot of analogies I can draw about your record stores in this. Yeah, but sadly, which we ha- will do in a future episode. Yes, it's coming up. Yeah, sadly, for me, 2012, one of the downsides of the Ferfuri brothers is if you ever noticed and saw them, they smoked like chimneys. I was going to say and that it was when... it was literally, we tried, I remember Dave tried to make them, our man Mike Sheldon's a Twizzlers addict, we got Tony Twizzlers, and this is serious though, he would eat his licorice, but then he would smoke too. And remember, this was in the day, you'd see him puffing away right in the shop. Yeah. We'd tell him to stop, he'd get the cough. Tell them to stop. It's like, just stop. So they were born in 1951. So Jim got sick. And in April of 2012, he passed away. And it was an end of an era. And I remember he passed away. And what we didn't realize was Tony was very sick. He hid it from us. And it turned out Tony was sick. And it was very honorable of Dave, Mike, everybody to try to keep these shops together. One brother was gone. Tony would be in, out. I would get reports from him that, okay, they didn't have an end date set for him. He'd joke about, well, I could eat all I want. I had my honey. So around October that year, 
I remember something telling me, go in and see him, go in and see him. This was only the Mount Hope store at this point. And I'm going on that Wednesday. He's supposed to come in. I remember I got Essential Iron Man. had the debut of Thanos. I got that. I was looking at that, waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him. He never came in. And I tried to talk to him online. I used to go to Dublin Underground on Sunday. So I go to Dublin. And I got to see how Tony's doing. I get home. It's like around 2.45. I go on to send him a message. I found out he died at 2.30. So he was gone. And that was pretty much it. And that was it. And you can't go back to another one. And our joke, Mike and I, we went to the funeral. And all we used to say is, well, he's a superhero. He'll come back someday. So we're waiting for you, Tony. So as we wrap this up, I think it would be only appropriate to say... Uh, this was a tribute to not only the way that comic shops were, but also to but I'll Jim, speak also for, to Jim and Tony. But for, I'll speak also for Dave, me, everybody there. Tony was more than that. He was a friend. He was a mentor. Right. I wouldn't be doing a lot of the stuff I'm doing without him. I'd love to actually. I wish we could conjure him up because I'd love to see what he would think of me doing this. He'd probably go, get the hell out yeah. of here. But you learned a lot. He was a really smart guy. He knew a lot about stuff. Very insightful. Just interesting and it's like one of those voids in life too it's like you have this and it's like one constant good times and bad times you have the store and then it's gone and that's just it's unfortunate and like you say sometimes you unfortunately can't go back and that is a song dave said i mean i'll go by that area go to jackson's bakery and i look at that and go what the hell happened everything changes and dave said tony would roll over in his grave if he found out that it's a beauty salon now oh geez that's the ultimate irony yeah but that's for you guys, and hopefully you guys are out there somewhere. And they are. And it's everybody who, anybody who hears us who went to the shop, if you ever do, share a story, because yeah, I know share, you always got one. Share a story on Even the... about the crazy guy who used to come in and point to Tony and say, that he saw a Freddy Krueger poster, ah, oh, that's not appropriate, that's not appropriate. Tony kicked him out. <laughs> yeah, so share any stories. And, and this yeah. is for Mike, Dave, everybody who ever and went there. Go to your local shops and... Hopefully one day you can build a relationship with somebody like that. If you can find one or just, sadly I have to say it, just get the paperbacks otherwise and just read them. Because I don't think, I think it's pretty much gone. But if you can find it, bless you. Uh Time to charge the power ring. Time to charge the power ring. And this episode, once again, sponsored by Upsitnik and Associates Law Offices. Lawyers for you, the people. From Alaska to Hawaii and all points in between, I've asked him for a new write-up and he's coming with one. Uh, Facebook, Upsitnik and Associates, UpsitniksLaw.com. Closing statements? Yeah, Tony was really big into a lot of stuff. He used to like to listen to Truck and Bozo and Coast to Coast AM, and he had a police band radio. And he was really, really into old music. He sent me some really cool stuff, and we're not playing any of it. If you ever notice, every song we do is from a band we have on, a band I know that's associated with this. So my good friend Steve Pizzuto, who we'll have on here Sometimes he's a singer in the Beaumonts, Five Head, other stuff. He's a riot. But his band Five Head, you have to see them sometimes. There's ska, swing. But there's a song appropriate for a comic shop called Mystery Man. And we're going to end with that. So good night, everybody. And good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever see you, good you are. citizens. Yeah. Take it easy. <laughs>
Mystery, why must I be a mystery? 